All right, Shabbat Shalom. Let's begin. So we begin by thanking our Talmud Torah sponsors, Naftali and Chavi Tilson from Eretz Yisrael for dedicating all the Shirim and Drushos this month. With gratitude to Naftali's Chaver Benjamin Wolf for introducing him to the Daf. Meakadosh Baruch Hu bless us to finish the Daf Yomi cycle together and celebrate with the Sim together in Eretz Yisrael. To thank Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin for dedicating the Shirim and Drushos this month. May Hashem continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. And may all our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and Hashem's Torah. Day of Learning sponsor, Maya Hoffman, also from Eretz Yisrael, in the loving memory of Dr. Ronald Hoffman, Ruvain Ben Emanuel. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an aliyah and the family a Nechama. And also with that, let us begin with a beautiful day. First of all, an incredible Yashikor. Thank you to Maishi Abramson for the for the incredible image of the base Hamikdash. Emir Tashem, we are going to use it today a little bit actually in the in the new parak. Emir Tashem, and we will definitely use it well in the uh, in the weeks ahead. So we'll say today's daf is Lamed Test thirty nine, and we are picking out on Lamed Ches on the base thirty eight B. We are picking up. We left off on the wide lines on the bottom. The second of the wide lines. So the Gemara is speaking about. So actually, let's just begin from the first wide line. Rabbi Lazar, Amar Rabbi Lazar, call him a shachiach. Tavarmi talmidom, Gorim Gavlas Labanan. We spoke about this yesterday. Whoever whoever causes himself to forget his learning causes Gavlas, causes exile for his children. So we noted yesterday that it doesn't say call a shachiach. It doesn't say whoever forgets, but rather mishachiach. Mishachiach means that one causes themselves to forget, that one is negligent in remembering. I, if something is important to me, I remember it. If it's unimportant to me, I don't remember it. So if Torah is unimportant to me, then unfortunately, again, it causes galus. Galus represents disorientation, causes galus to his children. If a person causes themselves to forget their Torah, they lose their stature. So again, this is ideas that one causing oneself to forget represents I don't take my Torah seriously. It's not a priority. It's not first and foremost on my mind to remember it. So again, I could mess up my children's chinuch if Torah is not a priority for me. Any greatness I amass ultimately could be lost if Torah is not a priority for me. beautiful gemara. A tzaddik doesn't leave this world until another tzaddik is born. Because the, the Pasuk says, the sun will rise and the sun will set. Only once the sun rises, only once there's a tzaddik who's born into this world, does a Kaddish Baruch Hu take the tzaddik who is already here. So there's always this presence before Eli passes away, Shmuel was already born. Baruch saw that the truly righteous individuals are few in number, and therefore he dispersed them and planted them in each and every generation. So as opposed to having a concentration of tzaddikim in one generation, and then leaving subsequent generations bereft of tzaddikim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu moved them around. Or I should say strategically planted them, tzaddikim in different generations. Shnei Amar, Ki LaHashem Metsuki Aretz Vayashas Aleim Tevel. Amr Abba Amr Yochanan, 
The world exists even for the benefit of one tzaddik. The tzaddik yisod olam. The Pasik says ultimately again the Ragle Chasidov, the feet of his Sadiqim, he goes ahead and and he Khajrahu will guard the world. Now the way the Gemara is dashing the Pasik is Ragle almost means like Bishvil, right? As a result, for the Tzadikim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and protects the world. I, the Gemara says, Chasidov Tuva, tuva Mashma, but Chasidov is plural, right? The Gemara is trying to say, even for the benefit of one Tzadik, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and sustains the world. But Chasidov is plural. Amram Nachar Yitzchak, Chasido Ksiv. But it's written, it's written Chaser, it's written without the Yud, so therefore you could vocalize it as Chasido, his Chasid singular. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yehbar Abba Amram Yochar, we'll say this is a beautiful Gemara. Kevan Shiyatsu Rav Shnosav Shal Adam Velochata. If the majority of the years of a person's life has passed him by and he has not sinned, Shuv Einochote, he will not sin anymore. Shine'emar Ragle Chasidov Yishmar. So we'll say this is an intriguing Gemara. So just tell us what the Gemara is saying over here. Ragle Chasidov Yishmar, the Gemara is using as a lotion of Hergil. If a person becomes habituated to not sinning, so the majority of a person's life has passed and he has not sinned, he's established irregilus, he's established a habit, and he is not going to sin. Now, of course, the, the interesting nature of this Gemara is who knows when the majority of one's years have passed, right? We don't know how long we're going to live. And also, furthermore, we'll say, what does this mean? In general, we have a concept, we have a concept that do not believe in yourself until the day that you die. Because at the end of the day, a person should never think that they are beyond temptation. A person should never think that they've conquered or overcome a particular Yitzhara because I'm always susceptible to sin. So what's the pshat over here? So the Masha explains very beautifully that all the Gemara is saying is we are creatures of habit. We are creatures of habit. But say, by the way, th- this lesson is incredibly profound, especially now. We see, because our lives have changed so much over the last year, how we've formed new habits. And it's incredible how a year's worth of habits could undo 30 years of habits before that. It, it's, that's, that's how man works. So what the Gemara is simply saying is, if a person forms a sustained habit over the course of the majority of their life, in this case, the sustained habit is what? The avoidance of sin. So the good news is, when you form good habits, those habits remain with you. So, it's not a promise. It's not saying if you have not sinned for the majority of your life, you'll never sin again. But what the Gemara is saying is just a din in human nature. If I habituate myself to live a certain way, I habituate myself to conduct myself a certain way, habits stick. Bein l'tov, bein l'ra, and good and for bad. In this case, it's for good. So the Gemara says, The Vera B'shila Amri, Kevan Shabal Yodo Dvara Vera Par Mishon Ushnia Ve'enochote Shuv Enochote. But here's another example of this: If a person resists the temptation to sin one time, two times, he will not sin again. Is that a definitive statement? He'll never sin again? No. But what it's saying, I will say, is the life is all about creating positive. Patterns of behavior. I avoid temptation once. I avoid temptation twice. And the more I do it, the more the positive behaviors become ingrained into me. What's the meaning of the Pasek? 
when it says for the scoffers, he will scoff, but for the humble ones, he will give chayim, he will give favor. Works like this. Whatever you want to do in life, who helps you along that path. So if a person wants to be metame himself, he wants to defile himself with negative behaviors, Baruch opens the door for him. If a person wants to become tahar, misayin also. Kaddish Baruch Hu will help the individual. Bosei Sadamar Shah points out, if you notice, the statements are not symmetrical. It says if a person wants to become tame, person wants to defile themselves, Hashem opens the door. Person wants to become tahar, Hashem helps them. If you know what doesn't it say? It doesn't say if a person wants to be metame himself, what? What? Hashem helps him. That's not what it says. What it says is, look, God, it's, it's interesting, to a certain degree, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not paternalistic, except, except when he is. Meaning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, like every parent says with adult children, you know what, you're an adult, do, do what you want. Do, do what you want. So a person wants to commit averis, a person wants to defile themselves, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, you know what, if that's what you choose in life, here are the opportunities to do so. I'm not pushing you towards that. I'm not propelling you towards that. But I see what you want to do and I'll create the opportunities for you you want. Person decides they want Tara in life. Person decides, I want to be Tahar. I want to be holy. Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't just create opportunities. Kaddish Baruch Hu pushes me along. Both sides, the power of making positive decisions. So we see, that's the Gemara is focusing on over here. Make positive decisions. Create a positive pattern of behavior and you become a good person. Create a positive pattern of behavior and HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps you along that way. That's the power of positive decision making. It's an incredible yisod. All we need to do is string together a number of spiritual successes is to create the positive pattern and not only do we build up our own spiritual resilience, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps us along the right path as well. It's incredible. Turn to the Rebbe Shmuel. Mashallah Adam. Shayamokha naft vafar simon. This is compared to a person who sold naft. Right? Naft is a, is a foul-smelling item. And a farsimon. A farsimon is balsam oil. So top of Lamates. Balim of naft. So we'll say, imagine the following situation. I have a store. I have a store. Or Reuven has a store where he sells naft and a farsimon. I walk in and I want to buy naft. Amrlo. So Reuven will say, okay, you want naft? You know what? You go measure it out yourself. Why? Because Reuven doesn't want to smell from the naft. However, but if I come into the store and I want to buy, I want to buy the first one to buy the balsam oil, Go ahead, I'll help you with this. This way, again, I can become fragrant. Reuven will say, we can both become fragrant when we measure out the balsam oil. So the Gemara Sabo say, so it's the same idea. The uh, Rashi says over here, So the Nimshah Sabo say is, Kalish Baruch says like this, if in life you want naft oil, in life, if Kalish Baruch says, if you want to make bad decisions, you want to go down the wrong path, you're on your own. You're on your own. Kalish Baruch says, I'm, I'm not getting involved in that. But Lamaisa, if you choose Afar Simon, if you choose ultimately again Balsamol, you choose good, you choose Tov, you choose you choose life, you choose Torah, you choose Ruchnius, Khalish Baruch says, I will help you with that. But say it's such an incredibly profound use of we have no greater advocate in this world than the Ribbono Shal Olam. Again, he'll, he'll support whatever decisions we make. If I make the wrong decisions, the Baruch says, if that's the path you choose, I'll give you opportunities, ultimately again, to go down that path. I won't help you down that path, 
but I'll open the door for you. But if you make the right decisions in life, Chodesh Baruch Hu says, not only will I provide you opportunities, but I will hold your hand as you go down that path. Incredible. Avera This is so profound. And Avera Rashi says over here, otemes visosemes mikol Avera literally obstructs or seals the heart of an individual. This is absolutely incredible. What the Gemara is saying is like this. Often when we speak about chait, so we kind of assume that the, the byproduct, right? What's, what's terrible, what's the fallout of sin, is that when I commit an Avera, there's an onesh, there's a punishment. The Gemara says there's something much more profound that happens as a result of chait. It's metamtem libo, it obstructs my heart. When I sin, I don't see life for what it really is, and I don't see myself for who I really am. And I say, we know this. We know this from our own life experiences. When I commit an Avera, it just obstructs everything. Forget about the Onesh. And I will say, it's important, I think as we get older, we begin to recognize that Onesh, punishment, is like the least important part of the ramification of sin. For, for one good reason. You could do Tshuva and you can get rid of the Onesh. Onesh is the easiest part of Chait to deal with. The, the real tragedy of Chait is what it does to us as people. The way it fundamentally changes us. That when I sin, the aftermath of that sin, I'm simply not the same kind of person. And as a result, I don't see the world correctly. I don't see myself correctly. I don't see other people correctly. It's metamtim. It just messes everything up. So the Unfortunately, the way the world works is if I defile myself a little bit, also, so they defile him much. If I defile myself here in this world, I am defiled in the world to come. I'm sorry. So I said the idea being that unfortunately, sin has a snowball effect. Right? The way it works with chait, unfortunately, is that what begins, what begins as a small, minor infraction, unfortunately, snowballs. And as we know this, often a person commits an Avera, and I think I could contain the fallout of the sin. But before I know it, an entire process has begun. So that which began small then becomes big. That which began old only impacting me here affects the celestial seer. That which began in Olam Hazel ultimately impacts Olam Haba. So ultimately you shall sanctify yourself, you shall become holy. Person, but I will say the converse is also true. If a person goes ahead and sanctifies himself a little bit, Kiddusha also has a snowball effect. Milamata, Mikachin also, Milamalo. If I sanctify myself in this world, right, or below, I'm sanctified above. Ba'olam hazeh, Mikachin also, the Olam haba. And if I sanctify myself in this world, ultimately I'm sanctified in the world to come as well. Both said the idea being that often our actions are amplified. And this is both for chait as well as for mitzvos. So a little avera, has unfortunately again a propensity to snowball 
into something much bigger. And before I know it, I cannot even control the fallout of my actions. But it is true with Kedusha as well. A little bit of Kedusha, a little bit of Kedusha can become a flame, can become a spark that is flamed into something absolutely magnificent. But it's incredible. I would just encourage you, you know, we often, we have to go through these Gemaras very quickly just because the nature of Dafyomi. I, I would urge you, you know, fold down the page in your Gemara, go back. These are the kind of Gemaras to look at. These are the kind of Gemaras to learn a little bit more, kind of Gemaras to, uh, to share with others because they're just incredibly, overwhelmingly profound. Hadron Allah, Amar Lehem Halamor Abosai, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Vaiter. Tarif Bekalfi. So we'll say, so now again, we're back to this here, last Zazel. So remember again, last Mishnah already, right? Last Mishnah, we began speaking about the Seir La Zazel. We began speaking about the process of the two goats. So now we're talking about drawing the lotteries for the two goats. So I will say, and I have to thank you, Reich, for my uh, laser pointer. Thank you, Yair. Thank you very much. So we'll say, so just to understand where we are. Ah. Chevron Zoom, I'm sorry, you are, you are missing the fun over here, I apologize. So, Jose, if you notice, the, the lottery is taking place right in this area over here. Right? That's where the lottery is being drawn. So to, the, to remember, Mizbeach, north of the Mizbeach, so here's the lottery. So Taref Pekalfi, Taref Pekalfi, the Halosh Negorolo. So we'll say, and again, he drew, he drew two lots. One of the lots has written on it Hashem, and one, one of it has written on it Azazel. So again, we'll discuss Azazel means taken to the barren wasteland, thrown off the cliff. We'll get into this in greater detail. Remember again, the coin gadol standing in the middle. The scan coin gadol, the assistant or the backup coin gadol, is to his right. The rosh base av who is the head of the on-call Kohanic family, is to his left. If the, if the lot that said La Hashem comes up in the Kohi's right hand, So the scan says, Lift up your right hand. But if the lot that said La Hashem comes up in his left hand, Rosh Beis Av Omer Lo Ishi Koen Gadol Hag Beis Molcha. So the Rosh Beis Av will say, Koen Gadol, raise your left hand. Nostlan Ashnea Seirim. The Kohen then goes ahead and places the lots on the two goats. Va'omer La Hashem Chatos. And he says La Hashem Chatos. So we'll say, so there's three parts to this process. Right? Part number one is the drawing of the lots. Remember, the goats are right in front of the coin gadol. Right? One goat to his right, one goat to his left. Skan is to the right, Rosh Beis Av is to the left. So part number one of this process is the actual drawing of the lots. We're going to see he places two hands inside, pulls out two lots. Interestingly enough, it almost appears as if the Skan and the Beis Av are the ones who look at the lots. So ultimately, so step number one is the drawing. Then again, depending on which side La Hashem falls out on. If it's on the right, the Skan says, Kohen Godel, raise your hand. If it's on the left, the Rosh Beis Av says, Kohen Godel, raise your hand. So part one is the drawing of the lots. Part two, according to the Mishnah at least, is Nasnon. The placing of the actual lots, because remember the lots are made of wood, the placing of the lots on the on the respective goats. And then part three, the Omer is an Amira, a declaration. La Hashem and La Azazel. Rabbi Shmuel Omer Lahayat Rahmar Khatas Ella La Hashem. Rabbi Shmuel said 
there was no need to go ahead and say La Hashem Chatos, but rather ultimately again all you needed to do was say La Hashem. We'll discuss that Machlokes. Vein Onin Acharav Baruch Shem Kivol Machusoli Olavayed. And I will say again, as we've established before, any time the Kohen Gadol says the name of Hashem. The response in the Beis Hamikdash was Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Liolam Vod. Beautiful. Lamali Taraf Bechalfi. So we'll say here's what's interesting. The emergence makes an observation. Taraf means to grab something quickly, right? So why does the Mishnah have to say Taraf Bechalfi? Why is he grabbing the lots quickly? In other words, just gra- grab the lots, right? Pull out the lots. So we'll say because what are we concerned about? Remember, the lots were engraved which means that technically speaking, what you could do is you could feel with your fingers which one says La Hashem and which one says La Zozel. They did not want the coin girdle doing that. Instead, you stick your hand in, you pull out the lot. Now, why would the coin girdle feel around? This is very interesting. It was considered to be a good simon for the La Hashem one to come out on your right hand. So therefore, again, so therefore, again, that, that was a simon. We're going to see that. That was a simon. So what the, when the Mishnah says, Taraf Fakaf means you go in, you go out. You don't it's like, like the grab bag, right? You can't start feeling around for the prizes inside, right? You have to put your hand in. Whatever you get, you pull out. So, so that's what means Taraf. You put your hand in, quickly pull out the lot. Amarava, Kalfi shal The box, the box for the lots was made out of, and the entire, that's the box, but the lots themselves were made out of wood, and they, it was an unconsecrated utensil. In other words, we both said the box and the lots themselves were chol. They were not kodesh. They were not consecrated. And the box itself is only large enough for two hands, right? So the now, but Pashtus, although we'll see a machlokus in just a bit, the Pashtus, the Kohagodos, putting in two hands, and he is withdrawing two lots with each of the, uh, with one lot with each hand. So, I understand why the box only has enough room to put in two hands, because we don't want to, if you have, if you have too much room in there, the Kohagodos could start feeling around for what, for what each item is. And obviously, we don't want that. We don't want that. So therefore, it's small enough, only two hands. That way, the coin Godel goes in, pulls out the lot, and that's it. But I don't understand why, why, why make it an unconsecrated utensil? Why not consecrate it and make it Kodesh? Because here's the problem. It was made out of wood, and there is no such thing as a wooden klisharis. Any service utensils were either gold or silver. So you can't have a wood, you can't have a wood klishares. I see the Gemara says, Venavda dissolve. So why not just go ahead and make it out of gold? Or is it, if that's the problem, make it out of gold, then you can consecrate it as a klisharitz. To which the Gemara says, Torah chas al-monoshay. So I will say, beautiful Gemara. Klish Baruch is careful with the money of the Jewish people. So I will say, this is actually quite interesting. So the, which is really fascinating, because if you think about it, Everything else in the Beis HaMikdash was made of gold, was made of silver. So I will say very beautifully what the Gemara is pointing out over here is it's true that the Beis HaMikdash was beautiful and obviously, again, was an incredibly expensive undertaking. But in the Beis HaMikdash itself, HaKadosh Baruch Hu teaches us all the lessons necessary for successful living. And the idea over here is that this particular box is HaKadosh Baruch Hu tried to show there are limitations with how much a person should spend, and a person should be makbid on how they deal with their gashmios. 
almost reminiscent of Yaakov Avinu. Going back, the Gemara says, right, Yaakov Levado, Yaakov Avinu was left alone, and then he fights with the mysterious Ish, right, the Malach of Esav, and Rashi says, why was he Levado? Shachach Pachim Kitanim. He forgot his Tupperware, right? He forgot his small utensils. And he went back for it. And the Gemara says, Mikan, should Sadiqim Mamon Chavivin Yosemigufein. You see that Sadiqim are very careful with their money. Money is a gift from the Ribbon Shalom. Gashmios is a gift from the Ribbon Shalom. And as such, we treat it with, with respect and reverence because they recognize it comes from God. So Kash Baruch is trying to teach us over here that you have to be careful with how and what you spend your money on. I, everything else is gold. This is wood because it didn't need to be gold. It didn't need to be a klisharis. It didn't need to be a service utensil. Klish Baruch who's teaching us that he has, quote unquote, compassion on the money of Klal Yisrael, teaching us that we must be responsible with our dine, with our mamanis as well. Masis no kiaitana. The sign of Udom Mishurah Velazar Haskan. I'm sorry. Mishurah Velazar. Haskan Velkoingodo Machnisi Yadam Mekalfi. Well, listen to this an alternate version. In this version, it is the skan and the Kohen Gadol who are each drawing a lot. So the Skan puts in his right hand and the Kohen Gadol puts in his right hand. They both put in their right hand and the two of them draw lots. So the Gemara says, If the lot, if the lot, La Hashem, comes up in the Kohen Gadol's right hand, then ultimately the Skan says, Kohen Gadol, raise your hand. And if ultimately again the lot la Hashem comes up in the right hand of the skan, then Rosh base Av Omer Lo the Kohen Gadol Daber Milacha. Then the Rosh base Av says to the Kohen Gadol, "Speak your words." I the name of the skan. Why doesn't the skan say it? Because we're both saying a case where the where the lot la Hashem comes up in the hands of the skan and doesn't come up in the hands of the Kohen Gadol. There's a Chalisha Sadas. The Kohen Gadol himself could be sad. Right? Why did I not have the privilege for the Lat La Hashem to come up in my hand and instead it came up in the hand of the Skan? But my Kamir Flegi, so what are they arguing about? Mar Savi Yemina the Skan, Adif Mismalit the Kohen Gadol. One opinion says that the right hand of the Skan is better than the left hand of the Kohen Gadol. As well, we'd rather have the La Hashem Lat come up in the right hand of the Skan than the right hand of the Kohen Gadol. And I will say the beauty of this approach is you're using two right hands, right? You're using two right hands. So the good news is that whichever way it comes out, the Lat La Hashem is automatically coming out in what? Automatically coming out in what? In the right hand. In the right hand. So one opinion says that the right hand of the Skan is better than the left hand of the Kohen Gadol. Umar Savar Kiyad Dadinenu. The other opinion says no, the right hand of the Skan is the equivalent to the left hand of the Kohen Gadol. Uman Haitana the Palagalizabiuda. And who is this Tanu Argus Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Khanina Skana Khanim who is Rabbi Khanina Skana Khanim Disanya. Rabbi Khanina Skana Khanim Omer Lama Skan Miamino. Why is the Skan positioned to the right of the coin? Coin Godal Shem Irabo Psul Bikoin Godal Nichnas Skan Umeshamishtaktov. This way again, should there be some type of disqualification of the coin godal, the skan is ready to go. So we'll say so an interesting machlokas. Our Mishnah has it, Kohen Gadol's in the middle, Skan is to the right, Rosh Beis Av is to the left, but it is the Kohen Gadol who is drawing both lots, one with his right hand, one with his left hand. An alternate version has the Skan and the Kohen Gadol each drawing a lot, each of them with their right hand. We're going to see that Rambam Paskin is like the version in our Mishnah, 
Name that is the kind God who's drawing both lots. Turn Rabban on. Both say he's beautiful. Arbaim Shonah Shishim Yishimun HaTzadik. So also remember again, the 40 years that Shimon HaTzadik was the kind of Remember again, who was Shimon HaTzadik? Pirkei Avos. Haya Mishiyare Anshei Knesset HaGidolo. Shimon HaTzadik was a leftover from the men of the Great Assembly. So Shimon HaTzadik was a Kohen Gadol at the beginning of the Second Temple Era, right, right after Ezra, right. So, so Shimon HaTzadik, for the first, for, you know, who was incredible, who was an incredible tzaddik, right, was the Kohen Gadol for forty years. Hayagoral Ola Biamino, right, Biyamin. All the years that Shimon HaTzadik was Kohen Gadol, the lot LaHashem always came up in the right hand. Mikan Veilich. After Shimon HaTzadik, sometimes, ultimately, again, it came up in the right hand, sometimes in the left hand. We'll say, furthermore, again, the red string, which we'll discuss, which was tied around the horns of the Sir Lazazel, and part of it was tied by the Beis Amikdash, the red string always turned white as a sign of forgiveness of Klav Yisrael. After Shimon HaTzadik, Sometimes it turned white, sometimes it didn't turn white. And the western candle of the menorah never extinguished. It never went out. From at Shon HaTzadik, sometimes it remained lit, and sometimes it was extinguished. Furthermore, again, the fire of the Marocha, the fire of the pyre. We'll say, remember again, on Rabbi Samikdash, the pyre that we're talking about over here is right there. Remember, that's Marocha Gidola, Marocha Kitana. So that fire of the Marocha always remained lit. Always remained lit. Velo Hayukran and Lahavi, Tzrikhan Lahavi, Eitzel Marocha, Chutz Mishnei Gizre, Eitzel and Kaim Mitzvah Asay. And furthermore, the coin condom never really had to add on that much wood. Except for the Shnein the two pieces of wood that you bring to the Mizbech each and every day as a fulfillment of the biblical obligation. Mikan ve'elech. But after that, pamim miskaber, pamim ein miskaber. Sometimes the fire would rage, sometimes it wouldn't rage. Velo hayu kohanim minam elahavi eitzel ma'aracha kol yom kulo. V'nishtach abracha ba'omer u'bishte'alechem lechem aponim. All the years of Shimon Tzadik, the 40 years that he was the Kohen Gadol, there was a bracha in the carbon of Omer, right? The barley for the Omer. Shtea lechem, which is the unique carbon of Shavuos. Lechem apanim. V'chol koin shemagia kezayis. And any Kohen who got a kezayis of the lechem apanim, ochlo v'save. There was a bracha in the lechem apanim, meaning you would eat a kezayis of it, and you were totally satiated. V'yesh ochlo umosir. And some people couldn't even, it was such a bracha in the lechem upon him that some kohanim couldn't even finish their full kezayis. Mikan ve'elech, but after Shimon HaTzadik, nishtalcha me'ira ba'omer b'shtei lechem lechem upon him. A curse or, or a blight, you know, was, was present in the omer b'shtei lechem lechem upon him. V'chol koin magio kipol. And we'll say the kohanim didn't even get a kezayis, they only got the size of a bean. Hatznuin, so the humble or modest Kohanim didn't even consume it because they knew that it was not the requisite amount and they knew that they would not become satiated. But the ravenous Kohanim would go ahead and eat up even the small portion. And one time there was a story of a Kohen who took his portion and his friend's portion. ben On the days... Ben Chamson Ad Yomoso. And they used to call him Ben Chamson, right? 
Ben Chamsa means you son of a thief. You got nervous, I was going to say over there, right? You son of a thief. Until he died. I'm going to have Shila, Maikra. What's the Pasuk that says Chamsan is a thief? So the Gemara quotes over here the Pasuk. From Tilim Elokai, Paltin Miad Rasha, Mikaft Ma'avel Vechomets. Rav Arme Hacha, Lamdu Heitiv Darshu Mishpat, Ashro Chamutz. Quotes over here the Gemara says, Ashro Chamutz, Shifka the Gemara says, Ashro or Ishro Chamutz Ve'alta Ashro Chomets. Kaddish Baruch Hu, take care, give support to the one who is robbed and do not give support ultimately again to the one who is the robber. So we'll say, so we're going we're gonna to speak a little bit about this. The Yimar is going to do this in a couple of different places of contrasting what happened in the Beis HaMikdash under different Kohanim Gidolim. So I just want to point out that under Shimon HaTzadik, this is the beginning of the Second Temple Era. So 40 years that Shimon HaTzadik is the Kohen Gadol, Ultimately, again, incredible bracha in the Mikdash. Incredible bracha. Things worked the way they were supposed to work. Now, of course, we know, and we'll discuss this in greater depth as well, the, the second Mikdash already from the beginning was not like the first, right? The Aron wasn't there. Machlokis, if the Urim, the Tumim were there or not, there were fundamental differences. But Lamaisi begin to see that at least under Shimon HaTzadik for those 40 years, there was an incredible Hashras Hashkina. There was an incredible presence of the Divine. Tan well, this is so profound. The year that Shimon HaTzadik died, Shimon HaTzadik said to the people, this year, I'm going to die. He said, this year, I'm going to die. So he said to him, Shimon HaTzadik, how do you know that? So Shimon HaTzadik said, because every year in Yom Kippur, there's an older man who accompanies me into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Mercedes is incredible. And ultimately he wears, he wears white and he's wrapped in white. Nichnas imi v'yatsi imi. He goes in with me to the Kodesh HaKadoshim and comes out with me. V'hayom, this past Yom Kippur, nezdami lizakin echad, an old man joined me, lavush shchorim v'atuv shchorim. And he was wearing black and wrapped in black. Nichnas imi v'lo yatsi imi. He went in with me to the Kodesh HaKadoshim, but he did not come out with me. So Shimon HaTzadik took this as a simon, both the black, right, the black instead of the white, as well as the going in but not coming out to represent the fact that Shimon HaTzadik was going to leave the world this year. So sure enough, the Yomar Tzachar HaRegel, after Sukkis, Shimon HaTzadik became sick for seven days, Umes. And ultimately, again, he died. So I'll say there's a lot of symbolism in this, in this story. We'll have to come back to it in Meretz HaShem. But incredibly profound. I'll say, so just so you see, whoever this old man was, whether this was Eliyahu Hanavi, whether it was one of the Malachim, Shumanat Tzadik goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim accompanied, accompanied by some presence each and every year. And this year, when the presence was wrapped in black, went in with him, did not come out with him, the lack of coming out ultimately highlighted to Shumanat Tzadik that this, his life was coming to an end. So the Mara says he became ill. Ultimately, again, seven days after Sokis, he died. Rebos is very interesting. After Shimon HaTzadik died, the Kohanim stopped using the Shem HaMaforash. They stopped using the ineffable name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bless the people. It's really incredible. They felt that in, after Shimon HaTzadik, no one was on the level. 
to use that name of the Ribbon Shalom. Quite incredible. So the Mursa Tana Abanan, Arbaim Shana Kodim Chorban Abayis, Lohayad Goral Ola Biyamin. So we'll say, seemingly the 40 years before the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, the 40 years, the Goral, right? The Sir Lazazal, the Lat La Hashem never came up in the Kohen Gadol's right hand. And the red string did not turn white, symbolic of the fact that Kalal Yisrael was not forgiven. And the western light, right, the western lamp of the menorah did not remain lit. The doors of the Beis HaMikdash would open on their own. They would just suddenly open up. Rashi points out, the symbolism in that is what? The symbolism in that is representing opening up for the enemies of the Jewish people to come in. So the doors were just open on their own. This is incredible. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he yelled at the doors. Right? He scolded the doors. Why are you scaring yourself? Now, of course, what he's saying is, why are you scaring us? He yelled at the Beis Amikdash, we know you're going to be destroyed, but why are you causing fear now? Why are you causing fear now? So the Gemara says, Why is the Beis Amikdash often called Lebanon? Lebanon, right? Or, or, or Lebanon, right? Cedar tree. Shemal, sorry, Shemal bin Avonosein Shal Yisrael. So I say Levanon from Loshon of Lavan. Ultimately, because the Beis Hamikdash cleanses the sins of the Jewish people. Amr Abzur Shabar Tovya, Lamanikr Shmo Yar. Why is the Beis Hamikdash called a Yar? I will say Yar is a forest. Tichsev Beis Yar Halavanon. Lomar Lachabos is so beautiful. Ma Yar Melavlev, just like a forest blooms. So to the Beis Hamikdash blooms as well. The Amr of Hoshia, Bishasha, but also we just actually saw this in Shkalim. Bishasha, Bana Shlomo Beis Hamikdash, not about Khomini Megadim Shalzav. When Shlomo Hamelech built the Beis Hamikdash, he planted, he planted golden fruit trees. Incredible. Golden fruit trees. Vayumot in Peros. And miraculously, these golden fruit trees bore fruit. Bismanayan. And their particular was the first white line. And when the wind would blow, the fruit, the golden fruit, would fall off the tree. And I will say that fruit, that fruit, the golden fruit, was taken by the Kohanim, and that became a form of support for the Kohanim. Incredible. But unfortunately, again, when the Akum, when the Ovdei Kochavim entered into the Beis HaMikdash, Yavshu. Ultimately, again, these fruit trees dried up. Shneemar, uparach levanon umlal. Vasir HaKadosh Baruch Hu lachzir alanu. But ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mashiach comes, builds the third Beis HaMikdash. The golden fruit trees are going to be restored. Shneemar, paruach tifrach v'sagel, avgilas v'ranak kvod halavanon nasan lo. Both say beautiful. So I'll say, remember again, so as I mentioned in the Mishnah, there are really three parts to the lottery process. Number one is the drawing of the lots. 
Number two is the placement of the lots on the goats. And number three is the declaration. So says the Gemara, Tan Rabbanan, Eser Pamim Masker Koingodol Es Hashem Bo Bayom. Over the course of Yom Kippur, over the course of Yom Kippur, the Koingodol mentions the name of Hashem ten times. Ten times. Gimel Bevidwe Rishon, three times during the first Vidui. Shlosha Bevidwe Sheni, three times during the second Vidui, second confession. Shlosha Besyem Mishtaliach, three times in the process of the Sirem Ishtaliach, the Echad Begorovos, and one time with the lottery, right? That's where folks, I don't know. And the one time with the lottery is when he declares La Hashem. Ukvar Amar, Ukvar Amar Hashem Vinishma Kolo Biericho. Well, it is actually quite beautiful. So the Gemara says, and when the coin Galta would say the name of Hashem, when he would say the name of Hashem, the declaration of La Hashem would be heard in Yericho. And I will say, now we've seen this concept before, right? You saw this in Shkalim also. That, for example, when they would say Burakai, right? They would say the dawn has come, they would hear it in Yericho. And I will say, now what, 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 what does that mean? So the Mashal comments on this, and what he says is, what happens in the base of Mikdash sends a ripple effect. So when we speak about hearing sound, I will say, you're, meaning Yericho, Yericho is far away from the base of Mikdash. So the notion that they would hear in Yericho, the La Hashem of the Kohen Gadol. Maybe, now again, maybe it's just literal. Maybe it's just one, one of the many, many miracles that occurred in the base of Mikdash. But perhaps just on a, on a deeper level, what the Gibbara is saying is what happens in the base of Mikdash is not limited to the Mikdash. What happens in the base of Mikdash sends a ripple effect everywhere, everywhere. So that even the declaration of La Hashem in the Mikdash sends a ripple effect to you. It's quote unquote heard in Yericho. And I both say, what, what the Gemara is trying to sensitize us to, and it's an incredibly profound Yisod, is that sometimes we think that the impact of our Rochnius is just limited to us, right? What I do on a spiritual level impacts me, impacts me. Conversely, what I has Shalom do on a hate level just impacts me. What the Gemara is saying is it's not true. Whatever you do on a Ruchni level, and unfortunately, whatever I do on a Chait level, sends ripple effects to faraway places as well. So just, you know, is 20 parsos. So we'll say 20, par- I'm sorry, 10 parsos. So we'll say, so that parsos is approximately 80,000 Amis, which could be close to 20 miles. So the Gemara says, V'tzir daltos ha'hecho, Nishma b'shmonet chumei Shabbos. And I will say, when they would open the doors of the Beis HaMikdash, the creaking of the doors on the pivot of the Beis HaMikdash would be heard for eight chumei Shabbos. Izim shebi Yericho. Still, you will say, this is great. The, uh, the goats in Yericho, hayumis atshos mirecha kitores. They would sneeze from the scent of the Ketores in the Beis HaMikdash. So we'll say, so again, the Ketores, the, now Ketores was so strong, the, the smell, the scent was so strong that it was even smelled in Yericho. So the goats would sneeze in Yericho because of the scent of the Ketores. Noshim Shebi Yericho, Inotzichel Women in Yericho do not need to put on perfume. Why not? Meriach Ketores. Ultimately, again, because they were perfumed from the scent of the Ketores. Similarly again, a kala in Yerushalayim does not have to go ahead and put on perfume, ultimately again, from because of the Kitoras. We'll say incredible. Amr Abiyosi, or Amr Abisari, Izim Hayu La'aba, Bahari Mikhmar, my father had goats that were grazing in Hari Mikhmar, Vayumis Atshos Mereach HaKitoras, and they would sneeze 
because of the Ketaros. Amar Rabbi Chia bar Aben, Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Karcha, Sachli Zakin, Echad Vosei is so beautiful. So Vosei, he says, one, Rabbi Yoshua ben Karcha said, one time an older man told me, Pam Achos, Halachti Shilo. One time I went to the city of Shilo, Rabbi right? Shilo, which housed the Mishkan, Verachdi, Reach Ketores, Mi Ben Kosleha. And I smelled, I smelled the Ketores, from between the walls of the right in, in Shiloh itself, in other words, I mean, the, 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 the scent of Kitores was embedded in the walls of the structures of Shiloh. That's how profound. Let's say, which is also, if you think about it, such an incredible metaphor. And let's say, when a person engages in positive, dynamic spiritual activity, the scent of that activity permeates the structures of my life, right? Isn't it an incredible imagery that when I do something good, my mice and tovim create a scent, they create an aroma, they create a reach nichoach, and that reach nichoach, that pleasing aroma, permeates the structures of my life and remains there. The Ketores from Shiloh was present in the structures long after the Mishkan was destroyed. Incredible. Amr Abiyanai, let's ask a little bit weiter. Amr Abiyanai, Alias goral mitoch kalfein ma'akeves, hanach ein ma'akeves. Now we're going to get into a machlokas. Ultimately, which parts of the lottery are necessities and which are not. So Rabbi says, the drawing of the lots, alias goral mitoch kalfein ma'akeves, that must be done. That has to be done. You have to draw lots. And if you don't draw lots, you have to do the avod again. Hanach ein ma'akeves. But the placement of the lots on the respective goats that's not ma'akev. Then that's not zero. You should do it, but if you didn't do it, it doesn't compromise the avoda. Rabbi Yochanan says no. Af aliyah in ma'akev. So Rabbi Yochanan says, even the drawing of the lots themselves, if you didn't do it, you're okay. In other words, say, as long as you designated one goat la Hashem and one goat la Azazel, even if you just did it via a declaration without drawing the lots. The avoda is fine. So we'll say, this is the fundamental machlokas. So again, Rabbi Yanai says, you must draw the lottery. But again, if you didn't place the lots on the respective goats, you're good to go. Rabbi Yochanan, even if you didn't do the lottery and you just made a declaration, technically speaking, you're okay. Aliba Rabbi Huda, Dhamar Dvarm Hanasim, Big Day Love, Anmi Bechot Loma Akva. So it's a kind of Rabbi Huda who says that in general, any avoda done in white clothing, which usually refers to, right, avodas yom kippur, but that's done outside of the kodesh, outside of what we'll call, we'll say, right, the base hamik, the structure. Remember again, anything that's done outside of this structure, Rabbi Huda says, it's not ma'akev, right? If you omitted it, if you omitted it, ultimately again, you're okay. So then it makes sense, kuli amalo pligi delo ma'akva. But remember again, where are the lots being drawn? Over here. Right in this area over here, which means it's being done with big day loving and white clothing, but it's not being done inside the base. I mean, the structure itself. So, anything done in white clothing outside of the base, I mean, the structure. So, again, I'm drawing lots over here, is not ma'akev. So, keep ligi, where does the machlokas come up? Why? One opinion. So, the one who holds it, it's ma'akev, holds it, Rabbi Nechemya. Uman damer lo ma'akva. And when it says it's not ma'akev, hani nili avoda hagrola avoda. That he holds it's dafka avoda. However, hagrola, the drawing of the lots, lav avoda he. 
is not considered to be a normative form of avoda. Igedarmi, others explain. who says that it's ma'akev. Everyone agrees that it's ma'akev. Kipli the one who says that it's not ma'akev only and the one who says it is ma'akev, aye, but it's being done outside in white clothing. Shiny hacha the tanabe kra asher Allah. Asher Allah trezimni. We'll say the Torah goes out of its way to speak about the lottery twice, which tells you that even though, even though it is an avodah done outside over here with the white clothing of the coin gadol, it is still ma'akir. Right? Well, so we have to stop over here. So just to understand, we're leaving off in the middle of this machlokas. We know Mishnah tells us three parts to the lottery. The drawing of the lots, the placement of the lots, and the declaration. The machlokas now is what parts of this lottery are necessary, if any. Rabbi Yanai says, you must draw the lottery. Placement of the lots is not ma'akev. Rabbi Yochanan seems to indicate that even the drawing of the lots themselves are not ma'akev. We'll see the halacha l'maise tomorrow. Until Monday. Oh, <laughs> 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 <